Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me. Liz, how are you? I'm doing great, Pamela. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, my goodness. It is such an honor to have you, Liz. Like, all the amazingness that you've done in this universe. And I'm like sitting here, I even told you before this interview, I'm like, can't wait to dig into your story and all of the things and how you started Investor and just like everything. You're a total badass and all that you do. So got to give you creds there. I mean, any woman that I see in real estate investing and especially going out and empowering others, like that is my people. So you are my people. <laughs> I like that. I say the same thing. You are my people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I mean, my goodness, where do we start on a journey like yours? I guess the first question we would say is what inspired you on your journey to where you are today, Liz? Because it's a hell of a, a hell of a trajectory. You know, it's funny. I, I feel like I've always been drawn to, I don't want to say empowering women, but but serving women on some level. And it, it even happened when I was in my in graduate school. So I was, I got my, you know, undergrad in psych and my dream was to open my own practice. I, I got my master's degree in social work at Penn and I went right after my undergrad and I said, you know, I want to be a therapist. I was very focused. I wanted to get my LSW was called a licensed social worker. I wanted to open my own practice. Like you couldn't have done anything to distract me and my focus, right? So during that time, though, I took a course at uh, Wharton. But you know, you're at the best business school. I wasn't taking Wharton classes. I was at the School of Social Work. But I'm like, you know what? When in Rome, I'm going to take a Wharton class. And I took an entrepreneur class. I did. I had a business plan. I wrote a business plan to support women, empowering women with mental illness. That was 20 years ago, literally 20 years ago. I never started that business, but I would say invest her, right? 20 years later had, has a lot of those elements, not just mental illness, obviously, but more, more so more global in the sense of investing, but serving women. And during my corporate days after grad school, I did a lot of corporate training, a corporate consulting for many years while me and my husband were growing our real estate business. And again, very drawn to, to supporting women. So I think the, the level of inspiring, empowering, energy, if you will, has always been something that I, I've always loved doing, even in high school. Mother Teresa's like, I love her, you know, she's like my idol, <laughs> just because I love being in service to others. And I think for the for women, especially it really began in grad school, because I had a field placement. And, and that's what born this business plan, all women dealing with a lot of tough things. This is women had mental illness, they had su substance abuse, you know, uh, uh, I was a clinic right in Philadelphia. So I had really like, wow, you know, not everyone's given what we're all given. That just kind of turned on this, this need and desire to serve women. And that really was the linchpin, I think, in a lot of ways that what created Invest Her 20, 20 years ago, 20 years later. That's incredible, Liz. That's incredible. And you mentioned Mother Teresa. So I'm Albanian and that is like literally our saint because that's where she's from. So yeah. telling Albanian about Mother Teresa, it's like, that is like our God. <laughs> I love her. She's such a strong lady. You know, she's not just a pushover, very service oriented, but very strong. And I think that's... uh to someone I, I I just adore. Investing wise, at the same time, I was in grad school, just to tie that up. My husband and I, again, grad school, not sure, you know, I really wanted to start a practice in, in, in therapy, but my brother-in-law gave me a book, little purple book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
And he said, you need to read this. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what, what is this book about? You know, I, I have no desire to read this book. He's like, you need to read it. So I read it, you know, I listened to him and I'm so glad I did because that really then opened up this whole trajectory of uh, passive investing and, and and things I've never even heard about, things I never was familiar about, you know, as a, as a 20, you know, at the time, four-year-old. So that really opened my eyes to investing in real estate and and without money and really knowing what to do. My, my husband and I, or my boyfriend at the time, and I did this together and began together and started investing. And that was 17 years ago, we bought our first property. And now we're mostly in the large multifamily space in four states, over a couple of thousand units, but with, with investors, of course, but it, it's, you know, it's been a, it's been a journey. I've worked with him. I've been a very interesting journey. And, and then, you know, like I said, five years ago, just got really passionate about supporting women in this space of investing. And that's where Invest Her was born with my partner, Andressa. So I love that, Liz. And like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like as a kid, what was your, what was your dream? You know, it's funny. I always wanted to, <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I went to college and I said, I really want to major in communication. And um, I want to communicate. I wanted to be a communicator. That's what I told people. That, that's not even a job, right? <laughs> that's, I mean, I was like, I thought that was a job. Like, you're just a communicator. And they're like, do you know what that means if you major in communication? I'm like, yeah, you communicate with people. Like, no, that's not what it means. <laughs> oh. I'm like, oh, okay. That's how naive I was. But as a kid, I'd say I, I wanted to be a writer. And, and I always told people I wanted to be a communicator, whatever that was. Those are the two things that... um. I shared with others. I wanted to write and I wanted to communicate, which is a funny, no, no other profession than that. And then a therapist, obviously more so in college and then graduate school. That's incredible. So like who was one of your biggest spheres of influence aside from mother Teresa growing up? <laughs> spheres of influence. That's a good question. I mean, I, I, I think my, my parents certainly, you know, and family, you, some people, some people have upbringings like, okay, I'm going to, I don't want to be these people. I want to, I want to do something else. But for me, I, I really, I really admired my parents. I admired my family. Of course, no family, no situation's perfect, but I really, you know, my parents worked really hard. My dad's a school teacher. My mom worked part-time, you know, middle-class family, our origin, both my parents are from, their families are from probably third generation Italian. Uh, we weren't certainly, I'm not first generation Italian, but you know, just the stories and the the level of influence of my family and how hard my family, my extended family worked to even come to America. And then my parents and what they were doing and trying to, you know, give us a better life. And so that was a big influence on me. I'd say, um, you know, beyond that, my sisters, because I was the youngest of two girls, you know, three girls. So I always looked up to my sisters, whatever they were doing, two different personalities. I love them both dearly now and then, but, you know, as a, as a youngest of three, right, you're getting picked on. But yeah, I'd say my family, we were very family oriented. We'd see extended family, we'd have family over. It was always like just, and I had good friends, but family was very central to our you know, the Italian, Italian dinners every Sunday, you know, just that was very central to my upbringing. So that was very influential for me and in a positive way, very hardworking and very just, you know, do whatever it takes to make it happen. And, and, uh, and frugality was a big thing I learned <laughs> early on, which has served me. And I've learned how to let go of that a little bit at times, because that doesn't always serve you if you're too cheap about certain things. So yeah, that's, that was my influence. I feel like my, my family was the big influence when I was growing up. I love that. An Italian family. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And it's so awesome because in Italy, like it's very matriarchal mm -hmm. rather than patriarchal. Although, you know, you see the Godfather and all these you know movies and it's like, actually when you're in an Italian family, it's like the the mom runs everything, 
the yeah. father looks like they do, but the sure. mom, it's like a series of very powerful women, you know, it's funny you say that. Cause my grandmother, you know, I always think about women who've influenced me, of course. Cause I asked that to the, all the women we interview, right. Pamela, we are so glad to have you on our podcast. And I'll ask women, you know, who influenced you? What women have influenced you? And like both my mom and my grandmother have, of course, had an, a major impact on my life and my sisters. But my grandmother's personality, and my mother's personality were two different personalities, right? So in, as now an adult, I'm looking back like, what did I pick up? You know, and my yep. grandmother was this like fiercely dominant woman. You know, she was straight shooter, just a, probably a more risk taker. I never took her like personality assessment, but probably a little more of a risk taker, very bold. Uh, very opinionated, very loving, very service oriented, but told you how she felt. There was no like, it wasn't, you weren't sure how she, you, you knew how she felt. And I gravitated towards her. I really seeked her out. She lived very close to me and she was one of the closest people in my life. Just amazing influence on me. My mom was very service oriented, right? Very different, much more behind the scenes, you know, accommodating service, do whatever it took to take care of her family. So it was very interesting, right, to have different influences now as an adult. And now I'm at leading with Andressa, this community of women, all these different personalities. And you know, what does it take to invest and in, in take your life to a different level? And, you know, who do I need to be? And, and, and there's no right answer. But I, I'm very reflective of my own upbringing, right, because I'm, I'm asking those questions of others. So I'm very fortunate, I feel like, because I had two different types of personalities around me growing up, you know, and there's positives and, and challenges with all of them, all the styles, right? We have to kind of learn what works for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's something about Nona's, you know, in Albanian, it's called Nona. So like mm -hmm. my, my grandmother on my dad's side, same thing. She was straight fire. Good yeah. luck. Like I picked up everything from her. <laughs> it was like, you know, it's just so interesting how you pick all those things up subconsciously. And it's like, you know, Eastern European women have this thing. And I've noticed it in all the different cultures too, like Albania and Greece mm. and all that. They're just very like hardworking, standing on their own two feet, like tell you how you, how they feel, like just like on it. You know, and it's it's so cool to hear the story of your Nona as well, kind of being very, very similar. I mean, because those things really do stick with us, right? Like subconscious mind gets programmed before we're seven years old. And so yeah. everything we see and touch, and especially being like a family-oriented space, it's amazing that you've picked that. Yeah. And it's like moments of like, you know, because I'm I'm a very adaptable type of personality. I have an adaptable style. I'm mindful of like my way of being. So, you know, when am I not speaking up? When am I speaking up? Right. And it's just a it's an interesting path, right? Of being your best self. And what does that look like? And being more of who you are in the way it works for you. It's it's a journey, especially as a leader, especially as a, you know, a, you know, you're 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 taking you're you're in business, you're entrepreneurial. It's all these pieces. It's very you have to be very reflective of your own stuff that's working and and not working. <laughs> to go where you want to go and live a bigger life. I don't know how you get there if you're not doing that type of work on some level. Absolutely. But it's so cool to see kind of who has influenced us because they almost serve as the the model, right? Mm -hmm. So like one of the biggest things that people can get inspired with is like, you know, if somebody's if somebody has already trailblazed ahead of us somehow, even if it's in their own creative path, mm -hmm. it all, almost makes us feel like we can get there more easily. It's yeah. very interesting. Right. So like I had the most powerful women in my life and I'm looking at them on like the things that they've gone through, like, absolutely. Like if I can, you know, if she can, I can kind of thing, you know, which is so, so, so cool. And that's really the biggest reason we created Invest Her. You know, Andres and I were partnering on deals. We were 
flipping houses. We were doing some some new construction and we'd get together kind of chatting about the project, momhood, you know, mm-hmm. fill in the blank, right? And we go to conferences, we go to meetups and like, we look around like, where are the women in this business? Where where are the women? We knew they were investing, but like at a conference, there'd be 10, there'd be maybe 10% women yep. at a few of the conferences we were going to back in 2018, at least. And it was interesting, right? Because we were like, this is, women are underrepresented. We knew they were out there, which didn't know they're not, they weren't at that conference. And we're like, there's something has to shift. And, um, and if women were speaking, they're on a panel, they weren't keynoting. So that was very interesting to see and experience where like, wouldn't it be great to shine a light on all types of women, you know, that are, that are walking the path of financial independence and investing, you know, you think investing, okay. Think of an investor, still think of a white male. I'm sorry. That's still that the reality that we're still in, in this, this world. So we want to shift that. Right. And, and so that's what I think is so beautiful about seeing women trailblaze before you, because it's like, it opens something up to you. Uh, whether you're millennial or whether you're in your, you know, your fifties or sixties or wherever you are in your path, color, your skin, background, you feel like you can do it too. And I think that's one of the biggest things we stand on because women are doing it all different types of women and all different ages. So. Totally, totally, Liz, you hit on something super important, you know, that sense of community. And, you know, whenever I would always ask like, what? what is the difference between men and women? You know, and I have, you know, masculine and feminine energies, right? And so I get all these things. I'm always asking these questions because I'm always so intrigued at how women communicate versus how men communicate and men hunt, women gather, Mm -hmm. right? So it's the coolest thing. Like when we have a community, it's like we are unfriggin' stoppable. Like there's no touching a woman once she's empowered by her, her tribe, if yeah. you will. So I would love to hear like how you met and dress up. Well, first of how you got started in investing. Cause I know there's a lot of people listening right now. that are like, Liz, how'd you do your first deal 17 years ago? And I with know. your husband at that. Dating, right? dating myself. So, you know, after rich dad, poor dad, we started going to the local RIA meeting, uh, dig. There's still, there's still a great, we just actually so cool. We actually spoke, spoke in front of them about a week ago. So it was really, you know, really need to be able to speak in front of a group that helped you so much, right? Many, many moons ago. But anyway, we started going to the local dig meeting and we were both in our twenties. My husband at the time, our boyfriend, he was working as an engineer. Again, I was in literally in graduate school about to figure out what my next steps were. So we were, you know, learning and we took classes and courses for a a year at that point. I mean, this is 2004, right? This is some time ago. So this is like before like bigger pockets. This is before a lot of stuff online, obviously. So we went to meetings and then they gave us these big packages, like old school, put the CDs in. We listened to a lot of CDs. <laughs> I'm dating myself. And one of the biggest recommendations that this boot camp went to, this gentleman, he's like, listen, you got to go call for rent ads. So that's what we did. We said, okay, why are we calling for rent ads again? He goes, well, because there's a vacancy and you want motivated sellers, obviously, right? The, the beautiful the beautiful space that we live in as investors, we want motivated sellers. So we did that every weekend we'd get together. I mean, we were in our twenties starting to date. Most of my friends were like going out to bars and having a grand old time on the weekends. We didn't even live close to each other. We lived an hour and a half from each other. And every weekend we'd get together and focus on our real estate. You know, we didn't have any business to, to even speak of, but we wanted to buy that first property. We were really focused. And we found this property. It was a it was a row home in a little little town outside of Philadelphia called Roxborough, and um, it was about I want to say one hundred and twenty thousand purchase price at the time. 
And the guy left, you know, said, yeah, I'm open to it. I'm a, I'm, I have a full-time job. I don't have time for this dealing with these tenants as a duplex. So we, you know, figured it out and we're a medic contractor at the local RIA. He walked it with us, told us how much it would be. So we needed about 30,000 between the down money and, and, and renovations, initial renovations, not a huge property, three stories, like probably 1400 square feet. 1500. I mean, we're talking not the biggest home, but still needs some work. These are older homes. A lot of them in Philadelphia, right? hundred years, probably like a 75 year old, you know, row home. So we uh, didn't have the money and my father loaned us the money. Meanwhile, my dad and mom, you know, were not like, they didn't have a ton of money to loan us, to be honest. To, so the fact they loaned us 30,000 was a really big deal to them. And it was a really big deal to us. It wasn't like, yeah, you know, here's 30,000, you know, lose it, keep it, whatever. It, it was not like that. They really trusted us. They knew we would do right by the money and they loaned it to us at 6%, which is great. And um, that got us just going. We then uh, did a 1031 exchange, which basically is a strategy to defer taxes. And we bought a four unit in New Jersey because that's really where we really focused on growing our business uh, in the in the New Jersey area for many years. And we ended up, you know, repaying my father, which is great and paid his interest and all those things. But that's how we got our start. Really cold calling, uh, door knocking, like really just pounding it to get our first deal. Boots on the ground. I yeah. love that. I love that. Well, because a lot of people are like, you know, the analysis paralysis, that everyone seems to get stuck in. Once you do that and dip your toes in, there's no going back. You know, yeah. that list. like, you know, there's no going back. Once you get a taste of real estate, it's like, boom, but it's always so cool to hear those stories from day one. And then like, you know, how you took that and scaled it and then met Andressa and started this amazing community of women would love to hear that, that timeline. Yeah. And we, my husband and I were flipping properties in New Jersey, like multifamily was always, I always say to people, what are you doing well? And and how do you repeat what you're doing well? Like so many people are like, oh, I should start this or I should get into this. Like, you know, really the growth of businesses should be like a rinse and repeat, right? It shouldn't be these new things every day. It's about perfecting and, and optimizing what you have and then growing it, right? And that's what really the beautiful part about scaling. My husband and I didn't get that for many years when we were starting and figuring it out. So we got involved with a variety of niches. Multifamily was one of them and we were having success with that. Flipping was always like a catch 22. It was like, are we going to, are we going to do well with flipping or not? Um, reason being is, you know, you start to learn about your strengths and what you're great at. And, you know, think about flipping where you make your money in flipping is, is the project managing, managing the timeline, managing the construction, managing the budget, right? Those are the, those are, if you do that well, you can do well with flipping. So my husband and I were not the best managers of that, of the project, if that makes sense. Um, we were great at like finding the deals, putting the money together. And then the, the managing of it was always the part we had to work really hard on until we started a partner. Some partners worked out great. Some partners did not. And so we were like, maybe it's the area, Jersey. So I'm like, let's start fl flipping in Philly and let's see if we could find a partner somehow, you know, that would be great. So I looked on bigger pockets and Andressa was very active in the forums. So I said, this woman's kind of active, you know, I mean, I'll just reach out to her and have a quick call. Well, I had a really quick call with her, you know, Andressa, Andressa got to the point then, you know, that's what I love about her. She's <laughs> a straight shooter. And she's like, hello, we talked for like maybe 10 minutes, but something about the conversation, I was like, it was a cool person, even in 10 minutes, you, you know, I was like, I'd like to meet her. And, and, and my husband's like, yeah, I had a quick conversation with her too. So we, uh, so we met her and her husband at the time. And the four of us had like coffee and had a really great lunch and a really great kind of conversation. And we ended up becoming really good friends for like 
two or three years until we we partnered on a deal. We she didn't initially partner on anything. We were just became good friends. She'd help us. We'd help her. We started a mastermind, her and I, just like of, of women before Invest Her, just to support each other and support other women well before Invest Her. And then we partnered on our first deal. So we started flipping and then we started doing some new, we did like a, 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 like a handful of, of projects together. And then Invest Her came up with just us meeting and partnering on deals and saying, we could do more here with women, you know, for women. And, and how do we really create a community where women don't feel so like, like they're the only women in the room. And they're asking, they don't, they're not made to feel like they have a safe space to get what they need to move the needle for themselves. And that was something we really wanted to create almost a holistic community where women can ask the questions, get the content and move the needle rather than staying still. And uh, we started the podcast. So let's, let's start a podcast, you know, interview women. And we were told we didn't, we'd run out of women to interview. A good friend of mine actually told me that a man, by the way, but he said, you're not, there's not a lot of women who invest. I said, I don't know about that. I think there are. I just, I think they're under the radar, but Mm -hmm. I do think there are. And, um, and, you know, we're almost set 400 episodes and we have not had a problem interviewing women. There's a lot of women investors. Uh, I don't think women are a niche. I think we need to stop saying that women are not a niche in investing. I think women, and, and I'll go off on random tangents now, but not random, but the amount of wealth transfer that's happening, right? Pamela is is tremendous. The next three to five women currently control $10 trillion of, of wealth in, in, you know, across the, across the board. That's going to be at $30 trillion within three to five years. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but the amount of money that women are literally going to be sitting on in terms of wealth, the, the wealth transfer is happening in women's hands right now in the next few years is tremendous. And so I don't believe women are a niche. I think the number one reason, no, no, I believe it. The number one reason women invest in real estate is for generational wealth. Nope. So women have this tremendous opportunity to invest. They just don't have the confidence yet. Some do not. And that's what we're really all about. Um, we were about that five years ago, but now even just from a statistic perspective and from a need perspective, we're really committed to uh, shifting. Okay? There's a real revolution happening. There's a f- women's financial revolution happening. And so women have what it takes. It's just that confidence piece is not always as high. So that's what we're shifting. And we shift that. There's a lot of ways to shift it, but community is one of the biggest ways to do it. And that's really what we're focused on is how do women come together, small groups, large groups, and really support each other. So they're not doing it alone. Absolutely. I love that you mentioned that Liz, there is a revolution happening. The era of the divine feminine is here and women, and I'm seeing that left and right in in my world here in Boston, as well Mm -hmm. as a lot of women are rising up and they're asking questions and they're saying, you know, my husband used to do the investing side of things, but like, now I really want to be able to get into it. And like, they're really starting to see because of other women stepping up to the plate, like groups like yours, investor, like they're able to see, oh my God, there's women out there doing it and they're doing it together and they're not having to face this alone. And I think that's making all these women that you said, like was under the radar, like come out because they've always been there. Right. But they just didn't know, like, who do I relate to you know like how do i connect because mm-hmm. like with men it's like again they're hunters they're focused on one thing they just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. women like they build a totally different community it's just a whole different style of communication in the way that that we do things and we're also fantastic multitaskers for sure so when it comes to real estate that actually comes in super duper handy <laughs> given all the fires that we put out on a, yeah. on a daily basis right but it's so, so cool to see this revolution happening. And like you said, a financial revolution, but I also think just the rising of women all over the world, just in different industries too, to see yeah. these leaders is like the coolest thing 
in the world. And as this is happening to have these communities is everything to be able to plug into and say, Oh my goodness, I'm not alone. Yeah. Right. That's huge. And I think that's the, you know, people always think, Oh, I just need to learn more information. I mean, I don't know about you, but you can literally Google how to buy a rental property and you could probably get all the information you technically need to buy a rental property, even today with interest rates, the way they are. I mean, it, it, it really is not, I'm not saying it's easy. I don't want to ever say things are easy because things are, things take energy and effort takes time, takes money, takes a lot of different pieces, but it's not hard in the sense of like, it's not hard to figure out the pieces of the recipe, right. uh, especially with everything happening now with, with, with so many different resources, free resources, no, nonetheless, but why, why aren't a lot of people still doing it? Right. So then the question becomes knowledge isn't the key anymore because it's, it's not what's actually preventing people or holding them back. They actually know what to do. If you asked a lot of people, how do I, you know, lose weight or how do I fill in the blank? They actually know the answers. They know what to do, but they haven't done it. So it becomes the behavioral part. And the behavioral part is really hard by yourself. And so, especially when you're talking to other, maybe people in your community, and what are they talking about? Maybe the next, the new Netflix show. And, and I don't mind talking about that stuff. It's kind of fun. You know, I went to a picnic recently for the holiday, 4th of July and uh, you know, the things that some people talk about, right? But I like talking about real estate. I like talking about business. I talk about entrepreneurship. I like talking about how do you hedge against uh, risk or or where's the next maybe business to buy? Like that's interesting conversation I like getting into as well as the next show to watch because, you know, you need to have downtime. But right. creating that community to have those conversations is really key. I mean, at our it's funny at our, our investor con, Pamela, which you'll be at next, next year, we... Uh, the women, you know, it was 500 women at, at the conference and it was a, at a resort. So they're having time at the pool. They're, you know, really being able to engage each other. And a couple of the sponsors came up to me and I said, how's it going? They're like, it's fascinating. I said, what's fascinating? That like, these women are serious. These women are doing deals at the pool. Um, and, and, and they're also talking about other things. They don't just talk about real estate. They talk about, I'm like, yeah, of course, because women are just going to talk about money and real estate. That's not the only thing we're going to talk about. So I think that's something to lean into is is the community and that piece of uh, finding that like-minded women who aren't going to go, what are you doing? Versus like, like, yeah, this is how I'm doing that right now. Because women are thriving in real estate. They're thriving in business now. They're maybe doing something a little differently than what everyone else is doing though. And, and that's what you want to plug into. People plug in and ask advice to people that they shouldn't be asking advice. And we need to stop doing that. Don't ask someone who's never ran a marathon. How do you run a marathon? Why would I ask someone who's a non-runner? I wouldn't. I don't want to know their opinion. I want to hear from marathon runners. Same thing with real estate. Same thing with business. And that's what what we're up to with creating locally and, and globally. I love that. I love that. And like speaking of advice, Liz, like for anyone who's listening that's looking to get into real estate or investing in general, like what would you what would you say as the most helpful piece of advice or some myths that you want to bust in real estate investing that you see that often comes up uh, with your community and investor. Yeah. I think, you know, listen, you need time, money, you need time or money on some level, and it doesn't need to be your money. It doesn't need to be your time, but those are two pieces that are part of this, this, this puzzle of, you know, of it, of investing, of business, you know? And so I always like to say, because people are like, oh, what market should I be investing in? You know, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Is is it now a good time to buy multifamily? Or well, I'll tell you, multifamily is still overpriced. That's what I'm we're experiencing on the large multifamily side. So yeah. we're getting we're getting a little more creative and adapting 
really quick. We typically raise money to buy larger apartment complexes, right? You know, your hundred plus type of class C, not stable assets that need repositioning is our kind of sweet spot. And that's how what we've done for the last, you know, several, several, several years. But the deal, the, the projects and the, you know, you're working with investors, the deals are just not penciling out. So we're not like necessarily giving up on our core strategy, but we are raising because we raise money. We've been raising money with, with passive investors for many years. We're now we put it into a fund. We just created a fund that's actually going to, uh, we're going to be putting money into um hard money loans. And we're working with a, an operator who's already doing that. And we're partnering with them. And that's how, so we're kind of using what we're doing well, raising money, preferred returns. And, and you know, the returns are, are really where people want to be and what they need. And we're kind of hedging against what's going on with the multifamily space. So you have to keep adapting. I think that's the biggest issue now is that people are like, no, I'm a multifamily investor. Well, you can keep trying to do that. I mean, we haven't done a deal in a year. So, so we have a business, we have employees, we have, we have a lot, you know, you're, you're, you're really got to keep, keep the engines moving in any business, right? Either you're either growing or dying. So we're adapting. And I think that's the, always the biggest thing that anyone could be doing in this business and could be thriving, but you have to get plugged in and go all in on your strengths and go all in on what you do well. Um, we have over 400 investors, you know, we've taken really good care of our investors over the many, many, many years. So that's what we do well. And so how can we redeploy that in our business? It's not like we're investing in random things, right? We're not investing in something we don't know. We're investing in right. things we do know. So I think that's one thing I just say right now is really important. I think the biggest thing too, Pamela, that I wish I did when I started, my husband and I figured it all out ourselves and that took us longer and it cost us more money. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> we were in our 20s, so you have that time on your side. I think if I had to do it over again, again, our path is our path. But I see so much like I, I wish we had, I wish I had the community that we're building right now. I, I really do. And I, we built our community basis of what, you know, we, we want more, more, more women to have. So having mentors, I would really have done more like where I found an operator that I really respected, whether it was development, whether it was multifamily and just really said, listen, I'll sweep your floors. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just to, to learn on their dime, if you will. Yeah. I, I would have done that. I would have done that. And I will do that now if I'm if I'm looking, I'm looking at maybe, you know, looking at acquiring a, a business that's maybe connected to real estate, but not is the actual real estate, right? Something that my husband and I want to do more of acquiring, kind of just diversifying, if you will, a little bit. And I would probably do that or I'd find a partner operator who has that knowledge base already, right? So again, things you learn over the years, but you want to cut down on mistakes. You want to mitigate your risk. You know, I think I didn't think about any of that in my 20s. I, I didn't even know what you meant. I mean, if you said mitigate your risk, I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, now I'm like, that's what I think about, but I don't want to not take risks. So I would say the biggest thing is, could you put your, could you hit your flag, hit your, uh, what is it called? Hit your something to, you know, another operator that, that needs something that you can provide where you don't have to take all the risk yourself. Cause it, it, it's a lot to put out, right? Money and time and property. And especially if you're raising money, it's a lot at stake. So you have to be mindful of that. Totally, totally, Liz. Oh my goodness. Hey, you mentioned that you're like creating the community that you wish you had now. That's like what exactly what I'm working on too. I'm like, dang, like I had a coach way back when, but like the community is different because it was a guy, right? So yeah. females, you know, kind of around you that are that are doing the things and that are motivating you and setting that model example and opening up opportunity for you. I love that list. I absolutely love that. And this is one of my favorite questions. And I'm so curious to hear what you say. You kind of touched on it on the business front, but on the personal end, 
What would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? I like that exercise. I've actually been doing that with my like older, older self. Like what's 95 year old Liz telling 45 year old Liz, right? Mm -hmm. So what would, what would 45 year old Liz tell 24 year old Liz? So many things, you know, I I feel I I would probably tell her to relax. (laughs) That's the first thing I probably would tell her. I think the second thing I would tell her is, is to really double down on your strengths and get out of your own way. Uh, I tell her not to do everything herself. I, I've done that and I'm learning, you know, as we build our own team with Invest Her and our, our real estate business, I've learned that, but it's a learning to let go and, you know, trust other people and not not do things that you're, you're. so I definitely would tell her that to let go of things and double down on what you do well. well. And I, I would definitely uh, tell her to have boundaries. <laughs> I tell her to read a bunch of books on boundaries as a 20 something year old. I feel like I'm just learning that uh, as someone who's very service oriented. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a recovering serveaholic, if you will. You know, I call myself that term because it's literally something knee jerk to me where I literally would just take, you know, the shirt off my back to help anyone, which is very admirable, right? Back to the Mother Teresa thing. But it's not when your boundaries are getting a little crossed and someone says, well, what's your boundary on this? I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, you know? So that's something I'm really working on. I wish I would have worked on that sooner, but that's okay. That's the journey I'm on. But I think that's what my older self would tell her is read some books on boundaries, get some boundaries in place before you, you know, in your twenties, that would have been great if I did that. Oh man, I'm on that boundary journey too, Liz. It's one of those things that you just like, you know, cause when you're a giver, you're just a giver and it's hard to stop that. You know, um, I read a quote, when was it yesterday? It was like, you know, if you don't set boundaries, you're going to drown for others. And I was yeah. like, oh man, the amount of times I've had the overwhelm and, you know, you start to go back and connect all the pieces in your life. You're like, if I had set the proper boundary here, I would not have ended up in this place. Yeah. Right? And it's the hardest thing in the world, but it's got to be done for your own mental health, you know, and just life in general. It's one of the hardest lessons, even, even for me too. I mean, I feel like a lot of women struggle with that because we're yeah. just like poor love and, you know, all the things people pleasing, you know, the list continues. So it, I love that you said and that. It does, adjust, it does a detriment to being able to create the life you want. Right. And, and, and on your own terms, uh, we interviewed a woman on our podcast. Her name was Ter- is Terry Cole. She was a psychotherapist, is a psychotherapist in the New York area. And she wrote a book called Boundary Boss. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal book. Highly recommend to anyone that you know needs a, I'm listening to it and I'm reading it. That's how much I want to get this, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> for me, I'm, like, I'm, a, I'm a visual learner. If I just hear something and you're like, you give me statistics and I haven't seen them and visually seen them, I'm not going to pick, I'm not going to remember them. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm reading it and I'm listening to it. So there's no way I cannot get this. So that's what I'm <laughs> currently committed to. <laughs> Love that. I love that. Oh, boundaries are everything, you know, and and it enables us to get so much more done. I mean, it's all a learning process. That's all a learning process. But Liz, what's going on in your world? Like in the next few months, like what's happening with investor? Like what, what's the deal? Yeah. There's a lot of exciting things happening. You know, we're, you know, we we're often, we just came off of our investor con, which was our big one you know, once a year event. And uh, we have just shifted, we have a, a, a mentorship program, which we we're very, very proud of called Strive. It's for women who have done five to 10 deals or more, who are looking to scale, but do it with a, you know, a community. And um, we just shifted that to being more of like an evergreen where women can kind of come into the, to the tribe uh, ongoingly. And we're building a team 
to, you know, answer questions, support women even more so than just me and Andressa, right? Just, you gotta build the team. So building our team of investors, probably one of the most exciting things uh, because we just really are very passionate about our mission and we know where we wanna take it and really go in a global sense where there's a global community of a footprint where women can give and get the support they need. In order to do that, right, we have to grow our team and who, who's kind of there with us, you know, with the mission and everything. So that's the biggest thing we're, we're, we're really leaning into right now. We just brought on a woman who was working with us part-time. She's coming in full-time as more of like ops. So I'm really excited about about her and her coming on our team full-time and, you know, just looking at different areas of our, of our company and how do we, you know, invest in it and, and grow together. So that that for invest her, I think is one of the most exciting things. The other piece of that is aligning that with this women's rep, women's financial revolution of just women stepping up more and, and needing more community, more education, really community and education to gain more confidence. And so really being bold to get out, get the word out, if you will, of, you know, how do we move the needle? How do we move that needle of confidence? Because there's a confidence gap. There is a confidence gap by far. And so what does that look like? How, how do we contribute to that? Uh, it's an enormous number, right? And so that's exciting uh, to be part of that movement because it's a movement, it's happening, whether we're involved or not, right? We're excited to be part of what that looks like. And and we want to continually be, you know, what does investor brand stand for? You know, real estate's a vehicle for investing. Investing is more, you know, it's investing in ourselves, investing in our relationship, investing in other types of investments, if you will, businesses. So we're constantly looking to really take a stand for that investor brand globally in that sense. So women, it's not, it's not just one thing, right? It's not just money or one way to get invest, investing underway. So that's, that's that piece of it. Um, or that's what, you know, is exciting and what's coming up for us right now. I love that Liz. I'm so excited to see that unfold. The community and education is everything. If you have those two things, you can achieve anything, anything in the world anything in the world. So I love that you're building that. And, and now for anybody who's listening, Liz, that's like, we're going to find Liz and address this awesomeness. Where can we find you, my friend? Sure. Yeah. I appreciate it. The, um, you know, our, our website's the real estate invest her. So it's, it's H E R instead of O R.com. You know, the, the best way to kind of, you know, get connected is really our Facebook group. I mean, we have close to 15,000 women in our Facebook group, but it's a really a safe space for women to start to quite honestly, give and get what they need, you know, so you get plugged in with that. It's just a group, the real estate invest her on, on, on Facebook. And we have 50 meetups across the country. So these are local groups, local meetups, free meetups often, unless they're covering a cost because they're getting charged a, a room fee. Uh, but these are phenomenal women leading these groups that are in the game of investing and really looking to grow that footprint as well, but they're everywhere. And we're looking to have more meetups, you know, so we have about 50 now and you can see where we are, where those are located now on our website as well. So between the online and the offline, if you will, and we have free events always happening. So those are great ways to just engage. And we're active on Instagram at the, at the real estate investor as well. Love that Liz. My goodness. It was such an honor having you today, Liz. I loved hearing your story, the story of investor, which is so, so cool. What you guys are doing to expand and really take on this amazing revolution, the divine, the, the divine feminine revolution, as I like to say, and how it's going to expand and just crush it in the next years to come. I think it's going to be absolutely incredible to see how women, you know, take this financial journey on and how they take real estate on. And there's going to be so many opportunities coming, you know, in the face of crisis, there's always opportunities. So I'm Sorry. excited to see that all unfold, but so grateful for you being here, Liz. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me, Pamela. I love, love being on and I 
appreciate the time too so much. I appreciate you, Liz. Thank you. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. Working like some underdogs. Underdogs.